everybody, and welcome to Igniting the Spark, Talk Film Society Star Wars podcast. I am your host, a contributing writer and podcaster at Talk Film Society, Callie Smith, and probably the biggest Star Wars fan you know. And today we'll be discussing Revenge of the Sith, the conclusion of the prequel trilogy with my guest, Shay Vassar. Shay is a contributing writer at TFS as well, and also at Film Days. How are you doing today, Shay? I'm doing pretty good, Callie. Um, I'm very excited to talk about this movie. Uh, so I forgot how much I it, it like brings up a lot of nostalgia for me. Mm-hmm. So I uh, when I was rewatching it, I was like, oh, I remember like all the details. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm yeah, that always makes my day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one is. The older I get, this one's actually kind of harder for me to revisit. Really? Because it's just so dark. You know, it really is so dark. And the rest of them are so... Not always cheerful. Like, and God knows the prequels aren't. But (laughs) aren't always cheerful by any means. But, you know, this one's tough. It's a a tougher watch than uh, the rest of them. I found this time, at least. But uh, what what makes this one so nostalgic for you? What's What's your history with Revenge of the Sith? Um... Well, really all three of the the original prequels, um, mm-hmm. I remember seeing them in theaters. So yep. it's, you know, there's something there. Um, and this one, I think, uh, is just because I was so much older. So I remember going on like a road trip with a, a friend's family. I think we, we went skiing. And I just remember watching this movie over and over again. And they were one of those families that had the DVD player in their car. Uh-huh. Um, but, but for some reason, Revenge of the Sith was the only movie we brought. <laughs> so I've like, we just watch it again and again. And, you know, being like immature preteens, we just made like jokes about it the whole time. <laughs> so there was like just little things that I remembered um, that I just like really vividly compared to some of even even probably uh the newer star wars films that have come out just because um you know we made like little jingles and jokes on that trip uh which yeah like you said it's a very dark movie so that's like definitely what like 13 14 year olds do when they watch dark star wars movies so it's like it's like a coping mechanism for you know the youngling scene exactly <laughs> jokes about it <laughs> yeah like that is so bad <laughs> um but yeah i totally i totally get what you mean about all the prequel ones having like so much nostalgia and like it's still the case for this one even though i do watch it and go oh boy <laughs> oh boy we just murdered a bunch of children okay <laughs> you know like it's um, but it's really interesting. And like, this is the one that you, you immediately jumped at like this one specifically to talk about it. And I'm just, I'm just curious what makes you love this one in particular so much besides that nostalgic connection. Well, I think that it kind of gets a bad rep. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that like a lot of people will rank Phantom Menace as their, their least favorite. Um, but I think this one kind of has, people on both sides um with a lot of people complaining about different aspects of it Mm -hmm. and um i actually think it's a pretty decent film 
Um, and, and I think it plays into something that George Lucas was trying to do the entire time where it's, it's kind of playing into, it's like campiness, but not quite, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's super dramatic and, um, you know, you, it's almost gossipy because you're you have these these double agents on on so many different people and levels and uh, so there's just something about it that I find really intriguing um, and it's almost like a um, a Greek tragedy because mm. the thing that Anakin doesn't want to happen ends up happening because he tries too hard to stop it so there's something really poetic about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I there is something about how melodramatic everything is in in this movie, especially with Hayden Christensen's performance. Oh, completely. Um, <laughs> and but I mean, like honestly, it kind of lends itself to the whole. I I think this is the one where they kind of start hitting the stride of how like you know CGI heavy and everything these early ones are, and they start really figuring it out and figuring out what they need to bring to it. And they kind of need these kind of like over the top performances in different ways, you know, like Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor is given this like fully campy performance in episode two and three. That's very good, but then also very emotional when it needs to be. Exactly. Of course, Hayden Christensen is just like over the top all the time, (laughs) all the time. (laughs) The older I get, though, the more I realize it's actually kind of exactly where it needs to be in a very bizarre way, <laughs> like in, in a the kind of like non-logical way, because normally you would not think that's how it should be. But it makes sense. Yeah, and it, it makes it to where I, I guess as a even as a kid, like you're intrigued. It's not just like um, uh, movies with like adults you know fighting or whatever though those campy moments and that kind of attitude um that lucas puts in these these original um screenplays are really entertaining even as like a kid's film you know so um i don't know i just i yeah i really like this movie (laughs) yeah i it's it's there's this is one of the Star Wars movies that's like gets tricky to talk about because I have so much I like about it, but then there is the fact that this is just so, so dark. And for me, like that's not, you know, whenever I casually watch a Star Wars movie, this isn't the one I'm going to go back to because it's just like so heavy. Exactly. So much going on. Um, you don't unwind to Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> no, like- you do not. You do not. I actually brought it. I was like talking about something star wars related in like counseling in my therapy thing and oh. like, my counselor was like oh god you have to watch revenge of the sith tonight i'm so sorry because like, he just like knew wherever i was whenever emotionally when i was watching this he was like oh boy exactly not a good time for this um there's there's really not like a a lighter even moment in the film so yeah i mean like there is in the early sections of the movie you have some stuff that's a little bit more like i mean like you have like general grievous who is a character that's (laughs) so cartoonishly over the top because he comes from the cartoons right um and he's fun like he, he, the thing I noticed as I like rewatch it this time is that some of the fights with Grievous get a little like 
hard to follow because of all the lightsabers that are all the same color. <laughs> yes. Ah, but not in a terrible way. I mean, you know, all the lightsaber fights in these prequels are choreographed to hell and back. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, love the part where Anakin and Obi-Wan just, like, windmill their lightsabers at each other aggressively. <laughs> Completely. Like, it's... Yeah. No, that's where the, especially the, like, special effects in this film, like, really, really spot on. Mm-hmm. That, like, the Mustafar, like, fight is just, like... I mean, there are moments of it that don't look dope. You know, like, there are moments where you're yeah. like, right, well, that's super. But, like, even though there are moments where you're like, ah, this doesn't look great, because it's so impossible to make and it was such a leap forward at the time, it's still kind of, like, unbelievable to watch. Because you're just like, especially when you see behind-the-scenes stuff and just see them, like, on, you know, green platforms in a green sea of, you know, <laughs> of screen, and you're just like, wow, it is kind of amazing that in these scenarios, they did manage to get a, a decent performance, much less anything good. You know? That's what I was going to say is because I can't imagine being like Hayden Christensen, like even with in the surroundings that he's in, much less like all green. Oh, yeah. And like playing, <laughs> playing the like emotions that they're supposed to be playing, you know, with like <laughs> nothing but green around them. Um which is a common problem for Star Wars movies, especially nowadays. Yeah. I remember seeing, uh, recently seeing some, like, behind-the-scenes shots of the, um, confrontation in Episode 7 between, uh, Kylo Ren and his dad and Han, and it was just all green screen, and in the rehearsals, Adam Driver's hair was, like, braided for some reason. What? And I was just, <laughs> and I was just like... I can't imagine having to, like, ground yourself in these emotions with nothing but green screen around you and a Sith with his hair braided in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... In, and that's what they're, they're dealing with all the time in this movie. Um, even even the scene where he's just talking to Padme, you can tell everything around them is... Everything. Happening. Yeah. And... Ah... It's crazy. It's crazy. These these early moves are crazy. Um, and like from a filmmaking level, it's just like because nothing had been done at this scale, except maybe Attack of the Clones. But Attack of the Clones is you know, yeah, <laughs> it's its own thing. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, won't, I won't be too mean to Attack of the Clones, even though my gut tells me to. Um, but yeah. Anyway, it's just an interesting an interesting movie. Um. One of my notes is Ian McDiarmid's performance in this movie <laughs> is it is that thing where it's either really really like played very straight or he's yelling no <laughs> in that insane tone of voice and there's nothing in between he's at one or he's at ten and it is it's so wild and obviously uh, the emperor is uh, relevant again. So, what are your thoughts on the Emperor, both in this and in um, Rise of Skywalker and everything, anywhere? I think <laughs> it's a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love the part when his face changes because you're. It's like, oh, okay, um, it makes sense why he looks like that. Um, 
but yeah, no, that, that no, no, no thing he does, like, I think that, that his performance is really, um, where you get that over the top because he, he reminds me of like a, I mean, I get that he's like a, a villain, or a villainous type but like he reminds me more of a cartoon character like <laughs> it feels like everything should be animated like um and that the, he's just doing a voiceover mm-hmm. um <laughs> so I, I i always find him very interesting um but then there's times that like he's really great at acting mm-hmm. um so it's so contradictory and it but in a way um i think it plays really well in this movie um, again, because the whole film kind of embraces this melodramatic, um, over-the-top vibe. But then yeah. also because, I mean, we pretty much as an audience know that he's, like, on both sides. But I I do love how, like, like there's a part of me that, like, Anakin should have known better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, like, he, the guy's, like, weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I also have a like note that like Anakin literally never seems to notice or like, care <laughs> that Palpatine will literally lie to him and then like two minutes later be like, just kidding. <laughs> like he'll come back on it like immediately. And you almost sometimes, y- you know, you have to remind yourself how uh, emotionally vulnerable Anakin is. Right. Um, because you're just like, he literally just said the opposite of what he's doing. And you're like, all right. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like there's something about, there's that confrontation scene, I think where Anakin, um, Anakin and him have this kind of like standoff in a like hallway in a big long conversation. And that was one of the scenes where I really noticed that like Palpatine and Ian McDermott is so good at playing it. He's so good at being manipulative. Yes. And, like, subtle. And then as soon as he, you know who he is, he's just the most over-the-top Sith Lord you've ever seen in your life. You know, he's just, like, screaming. And, you know, God, the... I mean, we've already mentioned the no line reading. But oh, my gosh. Jesus, it's a lot, you know? It's so much. And it's so good. <laughs> like, and now I can't help but laugh. Like, because it's just, like, so over the top. But, like, that's, like, what you want from a villain is, like, you know, I don't want some... Like, I think of how bad the casting was um, in... Um, what's his name? I always forget his name. Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. (laughs) Like, that to me is, like, what I don't want in a villain character, you know? And then Mm. this is an example of, like what i do want is like kind of this entertaining um you don't really know where he stands but you do <laughs> like yeah. it's yeah it's a lot but i like it yeah i mean it's a it's a really interesting performance <laughs> <laughs> i guess you know you just kind of go back and forth on it and i mean i think it really does contrast with i mean it makes it makes christensen's kind of over the topness make sense i guess because <laughs> It's like, oh, well, no wonder he's turning to this other person whenever, like, this is the only person who obviously feels things as over dramatically as he does. Um, 
And it kind of contextualizes it in a weird, weird way, which is honestly something I've just realized right now. No, that is a great <laughs> realization. And honestly, their like highs and lows and how quick they're able to like turn them are very similar. So I kind of get now why you have Anakin that's like, oh, this is this is my guy. Yeah. I'm com- I'm committing to this guy even though um have you seen him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's wild. And like I feel like and because we're talking about him, I did, I must ask um about how you feel about Rise of Skywalker just because I don't know, I feel like it's unavoidable. Uh <laughs> Um, how, how do you feel about that movie? How do you feel about Palpatine coming back in that movie too? Well, I don't know. I, I like feel like I need to see it again. I didn't Mm -hmm. hate it as much as everyone else did though. Yeah. And I mean, I will say though that like, uh, I know that you're probably not going to agree with me on this. (laughs) But go for it. I, I I love disagreeing. It's cool. <laughs> but this trilogy is like probably my least favorite three of Star Wars. Are the sequels or the prequels? Just like all of them. Like the new films. Like I really tried to like them, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. there was just something in me that just like didn't love them. And mm-hmm. like 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 Last Jedi was great. You know. I'll. Mm-hmm cool um and i you know i was really happy when the force awakened first came out because it's like star wars coming back and i just like they didn't connect with me and so that that's that's kind of how i feel about like rise of skywalker too is it's just like okay cool (laughs) it's 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 here we needed to end these three they're gonna do another something Mm -hmm. and that's that like yeah and i I get that (laughs) i mean i have friends like one of my best friends um she is like such a big star wars fan she got married and walked down the aisle to the same song that like anakin and padme had at their wedding and (laughs) she like doesn't have an ill word against any star wars film like all of them are her favorite and Mm -hmm. so it's it's really funny because like she just gets so happy out of anything star wars and i'm just like Mm -hmm. over here like i feel like i'm like an an old like boomer or something that's like <laughs> i like the originals <laughs> like yeah no i get it i get it it's and, and that's i mean and part of part of why i was like all just like dreading even bringing it up is because that's what it feels like now to talk about star wars it's just like oh god this like discourse <laughs> you know like exactly where it's just like oh god am i an asshole if i'm telling people like oh this is you know this is bad or this is good you know like it's so hard to have the conversation without being that guy <laughs> right um and yeah, it's just, it's so tricky. And this new movie, I feel like, has just made it trickier. <laughs> like, it didn't, it didn't um, improve the situation after Last Jedi. No. Um, but yeah, it's fine, because we're talking about Revenge of the Sith, <laughs> which is not, not controversial at all. Like, everyone agrees on the prequels, for sure, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, I laugh, because no, um... <laughs> But I don't know. This one, I'm trying to, like, 
it's honestly been a few days since I, you know, watched it. Um, and I've watched a million movies since then. So I'm trying to remember the specific, <laughs> the specific things I love and want to like bring up about this movie. Um, and I don't know, this is, I already talked about how much I like Ewan McGregor in these movies, but like, he is so good in this movie as Obi-Wan. Like, it just finally, I mean, finally, I say finally, but like, he's always been good as Obi-Wan in these movies. Like, in the oh, first yeah. One, he's just a Padawan. It's not really that much of a character. But then the second one, it just already feels like a fully developed character. And then this one is just like, it's great. Like, really excited about the Obi-Wan show that we're supposed to eventually get. I was um, about to say, I, I'm, and I'm so happy that he's attached to it. Yeah. Yeah, because his, his performance is so... I don't even know how to put it. <laughs> like, what makes it so special, but it feel it really does feel really special compared to, like, everything else that's kind of going on. Um, it's just different. I don't know how to put it. I don't know if you have you have thoughts on, on good old Ewan McGregor in this movie. Well, I will say I think he's just really talented, and he might be other than um, Samuel L. Jackson, who is like also really good in this movie, but like doesn't really do much. <laughs> like you know, he's he's in like what three scenes? Like yeah. Um. So like, Ewan McGregor is like probably. I mean. I'm going to say Natalie Portman just it wasn't her time yet and she also didn't have a a you know a ton of screen time but like Ewan McGregor is probably the most talented person of the cast. Mhm. And so That's probably true. <laughs> and because he is like supposed to be Anakin's like master. Mm. I think that there's a certain like element of emotional grounding that he does really well. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, like it, it, I understand though why like once Anakin kind of goes off the, the deep end that he like doesn't connect with Ewan McGregor's character as much because it's like Obi-Wan is like too logical Mm -hmm. And it, like I buy that uh, from the performance. So um, yeah, no. I also think that even McGregor is just such a cutie in these movies. So it's like, <laughs> like he's just cute and he's like personable and like you want to hang out with him. Yeah, I remember <laughs> one of the things that made me laugh whenever I rewatched it is the shot where he just kind of pops up from the bottom of frame and goes, "Hello there." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Because I had seen that somebody, like, timed up, you know, everybody was timing up movies to, like, to, for something to happen at midnight when the new year came. <laughs> somebody timed up Revenge of the Sith so that he popped up and went, hello there, right as it hit midnight. And it made me laugh so much. And rewatching it, it made me laugh again. And it's just like, I don't know, he just has a very good understanding of just how much like comedy he needs to bring to the role with regards because star wars has always been a little comedic you know? yes and i think a lot of actors or people's interpretations on star wars have difficulty finding the right balance and it, he is somebody who feels very in tune with it and like his his like just like bro chemistry with hayden christensen too is like 
really good, like really on point. Like they, you can tell that these are two guys who like genuinely in real life have like really good love for each other, you know? Yeah. Like the beginning, you know, really sets it up, which is why it's like, like I said, like the more emotional that like Anakin gets, you get why he kind of turns to Palpatine rather than like staying with Obi-Wan because like they're more on the same level than like the Anakin connection that we see with Obi-Wan in the beginning. Um, Because yeah, bro chemistry is a perfect way to put it because they're just like (laughs) talking and, you know, making little jokes and it's like they're just hanging out. Yeah. And they're referencing things that like, we either haven't seen or they're in the like clone wars show that's been going on in between yeah um and yeah it's just like this they have such a good kind of like lived in friendship but you're right like obi-wan you know it grows apart because obi-wan really is he's constantly like reminding him of like "Mm, your jedi training says this and you're doing that yeah and obviously you know the whole thing is that one one of the things that I've been hitting on a lot in these prequel episodes is the whole like how unhealthy and unhelpful the Jedi Order is to somebody who's got like the emotional baggage of Anakin Skywalker. Exactly. Um, like and, like it's yeah, you go, you go. No, no, we we obviously have a lot of thoughts on the emotions of these prequels. Yeah, um yeah. because I mean it's like the, the the issue and and I think in one of the conversations between Anakin and Palpatine they bring it up. It's like um, while the Jedi Order wants like no emotion and they're completely selfless and they think completely about other people, which is good. Um, it's like no emotion is allowed. And then on the dark side, on this like the cis the cis. Oh my gosh, that is very hard to say. <laughs> the Sith's side, they're the complete opposite to where they're so emotional and they give in to their every whim and, and want and they're so selfish that it's like, I think that's almost like the critique of the movie is they're like, no, 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 you got to be somewhere between the two. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that like, like I like in in the prequels when like in the last Je- jedi like ryan johnson's script kind of brings up the fact that like eh, the jedi kind of sucked like yes they weren't good at what they did and uh you know but but at the same time obviously sith are bad because they encourage anakin to murder rooms full of children <laughs> you know like right yeah you know like it's just like I also think it's so interesting how the Sith are like, we're, we're emotional and we do whatever we want, but honestly, Anakin becomes, and I mean, it's because he loses Padme, but he becomes the most withdrawn and under control that he's ever been whenever he's on the dark side. Um, the irony. I, yeah, right. Which I, I mean, I'm sure it really just mainly comes from the, the whole, like, he doesn't probably feel like he has that much reason to live, you know, without, without Padme. Um, oh god, I just made myself emotional. It's fine. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I just love Anakin. Um, <laughs> it's, I um, mean, same. Honestly, yeah. same. And people who give him, like, crap, like, I'm sorry, I love him. Yeah. It, it's just, you know, regardless of how one feels about the performances of the prequels and all the 
gobbledygook of, of the prequels because there's so much going on. The I think it was me and Marcella who were talking about the fact that like George Lucas is such a good like storyteller in like how he makes his foundation. You know, his, the foundation of his story is really good. And the foundation of his story, regardless of how you feel about Jake Lloyd and Hayden Christensen's performances, is solid. And the emotional core of what's going on with this character is really, really good and really compelling. Yeah. Um, uh, we stand we stand a legend, Anakin Skywalker, my, my best friend. Um. <laughs> it really, he is like the, the he- tragic hero, you know? Mm-hmm. Just and yeah, it's it's interesting because like, and then those those prequels or sequels, I should say. I'm sorry. No, I get them so mixed up. I'm like, <laughs> it's all it's all like, but, but I mean, you know, that's what they're trying to do with Kylo Ren. You know, is is re replicate the tragedy of like you know Anakin Skywalker, um, and eh, to to mixed results. <laughs> It's, yeah, like, it's a good effort. (laughs) Adam Driver's doing his best. And Um, you know what? He is great. Yeah. No, he is. So um, at least we have Adam Driver. (laughs) That's the thing, right? Is all, anytime I think about it, I'm just like, well, at least we got Adam Driver in a big old, like, Star Wars franchise movie. Um, But yeah. It's just there, there. Yeah, <laughs> there is a distinct disadvantage to the fact that there is no Anakin or Vader in the sequels. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, because that's the core of the whole six, the first six movies. I actually was reading a headline today about that—the fact that the sequels feel like they're missing something because we don't have Darth Vader. We have a character that is trying to be Darth Vader. Um, well, with with a it's like similar but different mask. And yeah, yeah. I mean, even like I'm a so I didn't like the sequels. Um, you know, I'll watch them. They're they're yeah. fine. But I am like a huge Rogue One defender. Yeah. And so I I talk about that one to a couple of people and they always Everyone always brings up the same scene and it doesn't matter if they liked the film or they didn't. They say when Darth Vader comes back and that scene in the in the hallway. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of proves how strong that Darth Vader character is just in the world of Star Wars. Um, And and it's a brilliant comeback. And it's like that movie is another kind of like tragedy. It's it, but it's not necessarily a personal tragedy like and uh, this one with with Anakin where, you know, we're kind of falling into this darkness with him. So it feels yeah. very heavy. Rogue One is just like a whole nother type of darkness. So um, I love how, you know, you have Darth Vader who comes back in that film that shows you that there's like. A personal darkness and and it kind of relates back to this film because rogue one's like three and a half let's be honest it's like <laughs> it goes between the two yeah yeah and you're you are really right about that takeaway from rogue one because you're right that is everyone's takeaway every time it's just like ah yes no matter how we feel about it remember when darth vader came back that ruled <laughs> yeah that was <laughs> that great was- 
<laughs> rad and we all loved it, you know? Um, and yeah, you know, in, in that, that one, that scene, you know, I think it, cause like part of the problem with rise of Skywalker is that it's definitely trying to lean on nostalgia a lot. Um, but yet that, that Darth Vader scene is clearly very like leaning on the fact that we all love Darth Vader, Yeah, but also like, but also bringing it a little bit more new life, you know, new breath to it. It's, it's such an interesting scene and an interesting movie. And if we come back in this podcast to a rogue one, I will, I will make sure to have you on (laughs) that episode. Yeah. If if you do, I I have a lot of thoughts about it. I think about it a oh, lot. Yeah. I'm sure. No, and I mean, I'd especially be interested to get into it more because it's actually like not one of my favorites. Like it's pretty Ooh. low on my Star Wars ranking. Um, so I'd love to hash that out sometime. We will see what happens in the future. Talk about discourse. <laughs> we will have our own Star Wars discourse. Um, all about Rogue One. Um, but yeah, um, are there any other like, any other like takeaways, any other things that stand out to you about this movie that you want to like talk about? <laughs> well, okay, so watching it as I'm older and not like so um, like romantically wrapped up in the yeah. Anakin <laughs> and Padme thing, uh, because like. I love Padme. Like, she Mm -hmm. rules. And um, I just, like, this time around, like, I totally felt Anakin's, like, emotion for her. But I didn't love them together because I'm just, like, Mm -hmm. one, you guys are talking in, like, a very open place about how no one knows you're together. (laughs) So, (laughs) I'm, like... How does no one know you're together? <laughs> also, she's like, I'm pregnant. And then the next scene, she has like a full pregnant belly. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> another thing. How do no one, no one has noticed that she is like visibly very pregnant. Yeah. So. Like, <laughs> which is funny because like they have their like final confrontation scene. And honestly, she doesn't look like that pregnant. She's, no. She's pregnant. And then, like, before you know it, she's giving birth to twins. And you're like, how? Exactly. <laughs> Does pregnancy work different in the Star Wars universe? <laughs> I have questions. And, I mean, you know, the, the thing is, she is such a cool character. You are so right. She was one of my favorites as a kid, too. And she's so... She's done so dirty by the story in this one at the very end. You know, I personally don't love the whole, like... It would be one thing if we just said she died in childbirth, right? But, right. <laughs> but they say she died of a broken heart. And it's like, all right, well, did she, did she hold on? <laughs> like, uh, but yeah, she's such a, she's such a cool character. And I feel like she kind of gets a little, you know, sidelined in this one. Um, kind of just becomes like the pregnant lady who's sitting in the background. Going, yes you know, come back to me. <laughs> like, you know, it's, <laughs> which is a bummer. Cause yeah, she's like introduced as this cool queen who will literally like, you know, kick ass herself to protect her, you know, planet. And then womp womp. Now, now she's just, 
in the background. There's like literally a scene where he like comes home and she's brushing her hair. I'm like, is that what she does now? <laughs> she just brushes her hair all day long. I'm like, cool. Reorganizes her closet. <laughs> it's like uh, she's just waiting for him. Okay. Like, that's so boring. Because, yeah, that's the one thing I will defend in like episode two is like, you know, she's got a gun and she's running around and oh, she's just amazing and yeah and this one she's just in pretty dresses and brushing her hair so (laughs) and i mean yeah and of course not never to minimize the dresses because that is one of the best parts of all the prequels is everything padme wears ever is just like unbelievably cool oh you're so right on that <laughs> like and it's true in this one too i think this one's probably like the least cool of all the outfits but like it's still like every time she comes on screen you're like all right what we got this time <laughs> rubbing your hands together like come on show me the costume and her hair uh, yeah like and i noticed this time too in that scene where they're like talking in the very open hallway um <laughs> her hair is done in like very similar to the iconic Leia buns. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, I bet that's on purpose. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it's, I love, I, the prequels are so much fun and so cool because you do get those like kind of like seeds of, even, even fashion wise. Like, <laughs> honestly, like, I'm trying to figure out how to put it into words. Obviously, we see that, like, Leia has, like, her mom's sense of fashion. <laughs> yes. As, as as the movies go on. But also, eh, oh no, Luke's kind of killing it, too. Like, <laughs> once he gets that black Return of the Jedi get-up going on. So, <laughs> I love, like, seeing how this family, like, you know, even though, honestly, the Skywalkers don't, like... Luke or Leia did not know their parents, and yet we still see echoes of their parents in them later, visually and emotionally, how the characters are. Which is really cool. I mean, and it reminds me of, like, um, oh, I don't remember exactly what the tweet is, so I might ruin it, but someone had tweeted something about, like, who's your mother around, like, a Mother's Day. I mean, this is, like years ago and then Carrie Fisher was like um Natalie Portman (laughs) and like that to me is so perfect because you you do kind of see where like the the attitudes of Luke and Leia come from these Mm -hmm. two kind of like crazy kids in love because they're not old like they're they're so young uh (laughs) Sorry, I'm like yeah. <laughs> I'm over here like crying about them. <laughs> they're they're both, you know, young and like so blindly hopeful in their own ways, you know, like Padme so blindly believes and hopes in democracy and the yeah. Senate and everything. And Anakin just, I mean, I mean, his whole thing is just like, these Jedi saved me. So surely they must be right about everything. And like watching both of them just slowly have their, you know, the things that they, the things that they, the things they love the most besides each other (laughs) be like slowly torn from them and then watch them also be torn slowly from each other. Um, Ah. It's good shit. It's good shit. That was such a heartbreaking <laughs> sentence you just said. Wow. I know. Yeah. I mean, I, I said it and I was like, it's really good, but I'm really like, 
it's 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 hurting me on the inside a little bit, you know, because it's just, you know, this whole prequel trilogy is supposed to be a tragedy. Exactly. But you sit back and you actually talk about it and you say some of the things that happen out loud and you're like, all right, yeah, no, I guess he nailed what he was trying to do here because that is deeply upsetting. <laughs> it's so upsetting. And also, I don't know who writes the, you know, like, um, what is it, like the Avengers and philosophy books and stuff like that. But I think that they should, like, commission you to do, like, a Star Wars and philosophy <laughs> I have spent a lot of time thinking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you um, would be perfect. <laughs> um, it's just, I don't know. You know, I these movies are always trying to say something. <laughs> or at least, you know, at least I, I won't, I'll save the sequel, you know, stuff for those episodes, I suppose. Because God knows I have a lot to fucking say about Kylo Ren. But... <laughs> uh, as as will hopefully be uh, on the website soon. I am writing a Kylo Ren piece. <gasps> Let me just plug that for future. If, I feel like if I keep mentioning it on the pod, I'll I'll get it done. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's just there's just so much going on uh, ideologically in these movies that I I find good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to put it. You know, like, obviously, I don't want to be like, oh, it's so good that they lose all their faith in all the systems they once believed in. But it is, it's a good reality check uh, to have in, in reality. And it, I think it's something that does kind of echo with our, our modern era um, very much. It's kind of sad how much it kind of correlates with what we're going through and like the whole world really it's like you look at all the different like elections and issues and mm -hmm. protests and like just failures of governments and you're like wait <laughs> wait a second this george lucas guy was on to something <laughs> yeah like did, could he tell the future like are we living in star wars <laughs> are, are we i mean there there have been a lot of places where they've been talking about they're almost they almost cracked lightsabers so we might be there <laughs> oh my gosh what color would your lightsaber be uh well i i did actually go to galaxy's edge um <gasps> And I have made my, my, my lightsaber sits on my, my uh, stand right next to my Kylo Ren lightsaber. Wait, that's so cool. <laughs> and uh, it's a, like, they have these different sets that you can get. The one looks like kind of like silver and black, kind of like Obi-Wan's and Anakin's or gold, like the Mace Windu's. Oh my or, gosh. Like, older Jedi like that. But I got the elemental set. So it's got like a Rancor tooth on the bottom as the hilt. And it has a purple blade. Um, it's uh, really great. Not to sound like a very privileged person who could afford going to Galaxy's Edge, but I can't recommend going to Galaxy's Edge enough because it is a really fun experience. And there's this moment in that in that workshop where they have you close your eyes and they tell you to you know visualize your Kyber crystal and what it's gonna look like. Oh and you my open gosh. your eyes and they're holding a row of kyber crystals that are glowing in front of you <laughs> and you reach out and take the it's oh, oh I cried making my lightsaber. I'm a nerd, what can I say? Uh <laughs> so I used to live in Florida and I used to have like a pass to Disney World, mm -hmm. but this is like oh, before yeah. Disney bought 
like Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> so like we did yeah. not. I mean, there was probably something similar, or maybe Galaxy's Edge like was like in its beginnings. You know, like I remember there mm-hmm. was. Um, oh gosh, probably Star Tours. Yeah. It, well, oh my gosh, I did that so many times, <laughs> and you would meet like the Anakin people. Like they didn't oh, ever yeah, look yeah. <laughs> correct. Um, <laughs> they're like slightly off-brand Anakin's, and um, but so now that they have all this stuff, I'm so mad. I don't live in Florida anymore. I'm like, this is rude. <laughs> like this is this is literally rude that I can't go there. <laughs> yeah, because it's so cool. Um, yeah, so Disney bought Star Wars way too late. That's my opinion. (laughs) Should have had it whenever I was a kid and I could appreciate that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but man, uh, annual pass holder. That's how I'm trying to be one of these days. I I would love to literally just like live in Galaxy's Edge, just always be there. Um, but yeah, Uh, what a great, what a great time. Star Wars. Star Wars is good. You know, even with all the discourse and everything, every time I rec- we sit down to record one of these episodes, I just end up going, yeah, this is always refresh. It's like getting a recharge of my battery and just going, yeah, wait, no, Star Wars is great. Like, I love it. You know, there's just so much good here, even though we have to have the the discourse all the time. Right. These days. Yeah, I guess go. it's just a film thing nowadays. Is like, But, you know, I, I do enjoy that there are still so many fans, which is why I can't complain. And these, like, sequels yeah. bringing Star Wars, like, to a new generation and it's keeping it alive. So I'm all for it. Just yeah. make better movies. <laughs> Just make them better. They need to figure out how to make these movies and make them, I guess, worth making. Right. That makes sense, right? That's what I guess I'm getting at. Is like, it's one thing to just keep making them because we're dis- you're Disney and you want money, and I get it. Right. Um, but like, they these movies are best whenever they have something that they're trying to say and something that you know. Um, and I feel like some of the newer ones are falling off of, of that. Um, Last Jedi being the exception, I think Last Jedi has a lot to say. Yes. Um, and, yeah. Mm, Star Wars. Movies. Star oh, Wars! Yes. And I have not yet started The Mandalorian, so that's my next mm. thing to start. Um, it's good. <laughs> I, well, because I know that once I sit down and watch it, I'm not going to want to do anything else. Yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm kind of just letting it kind of happen, you know, and mm-hmm. and then I love how there's like all these like cameos um, on like directorial and um, what's his name like Werner Herzog's in it, yeah. like uh, that I think is so great. So I'm like I'm just gonna sit down and I need to just enjoy it. I I can't wait to just probably binge it and then binge it again. Yeah. I actually find that the people who really, 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 like, unironically enjoy the prequels most are the people who really enjoy The Mandalorian most, too. So I'm I'm sure you'll love it when you get to it. Oh, that is the greatest news. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, like, the love of the detail in the Star Wars lore and some of the things that, you know, the prequels set up that feeds into how much people love The Ma- Mandalorian. Um, so, yeah. It's good stuff. 
I'm excited for you to watch it. Oh, Star Wars. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show and discussing this very good movie with me. Um, because all Star Wars is very good. Yes. At the end of the day, the of the day uh, we have it. <laughs> so I guess do you have do you have anything you wanna you wanna plug to all of our our listeners out there? Sure. Um, the best way to keep up with me is on Twitter uh, at just Shay S H E A like the butter Vassar like the college V A S S A R. So if you find me with that weird description, then follow me. Yes, and you are a, you are a quality follow. <laughs> Thank you. I tweet way too much. I need to like. I probably cut need. <laughs> yeah, I probably need to cut back. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been me in the last few weeks regarding Star Wars specifically. I'm like, fuck, I need to stop tweeting about Star Wars. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, and you just published a really great article on uh, Parasite uh, and native culture that I just wanted to bring up because it's great, uh, and everybody should check that out. Uh, Thank you. And love Parasite. Um, and yeah, as for me, I'm on Twitter at CallieSmith92. Um, everything that I write is at Top Film Society. Hopefully, within the next couple weeks, there will also be a, my top 10 of the year up there. Um, so look out for all of that. And uh, to everybody at home, may the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>